The problem with working on Wall Street is that people try to be smart, okay? And it's hard to be smart if your best idea is Apple. Hi, I'm Jared Gillian, and welcome to the Be Smart Podcast, where we talk about how not to be an idiot with your money, because there's a lot of that going around. Speaking of which, you probably saw that Apple reached a $3 trillion market cap. So I got this wrong. Um, You know, back when it got to a trillion, I think it was the first trillion dollar company. I was like, why would you buy Apple at a trillion dollars? I mean, what what are you playing for here? I mean, are you playing for Apple to become a $2 trillion company? (laughs) And of course, that's what happened. So now, like, you know, the sad part is for a lot of people, their best idea out of all their ideas is for Apple to become a $4 trillion market cap company. And the sadder part is that it probably will. So why is this happening? I mean, Apple is a great company, okay? Um, But it doesn't seem like they have much in the way of ideas these days. There's nothing really revolutionary going on at Apple. There's not much in the way of innovation. You know, they have the iPhone 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, and you have these incremental improvements in technology. There's nothing, you know, there's a better camera, there's better operating system, but it's still fundamentally the same phone. Um, and the replacement cycle is getting longer. People are holding on to their iPhones longer, and now Apple is allowing people to fix their iPhones. So I don't really, I don't really see what the investment thesis is here, okay, with Apple at a $3 trillion market cap. So, you know, Apple may be a great company, but it's not cheap. It's, def- it's not, not at this point. It was at one time. That's the interesting thing. You know, when Apple was a $1 trillion market cap, it was a cheap company. It was actually cheap, and it's not cheap anymore, you know. And people keep buying it. And stuff that goes up generally keeps going up. You know, I like to think that I have better ideas than Apple, okay? Because there's 3,000 stocks out there right? And there's energy stocks and healthcare stocks and biotech stocks. And there's all all different kinds of stuff that you can invest in. And I just find it odd that the most consensus idea is also the best idea. And it has been for the last couple of years. You know, Apple is the stock. Like when you open a brokerage account, I think you get Apple in the starter kit. I think they give you a hundred shares of Apple. Like Apple is the company that knows, that everybody knows about. You know, if you ask somebody, just name a company, name the first company that pops into your head, people are going to say Apple, okay? And for sure, you know, I have been wrong about this a bunch of times in the past, going way back into ancient history. I mean, this was like, you know, the mid-2000s or something like that, and Apple first came out with the iPhone, and I was an iPod user at this point, and, you know, Apple had increased in value on the whole iPod thing. And I said, you know, this is, Apple makes toys. You know, this this isn't a serious thing. And I didn't take it seriously. And I was bearish on the stock. I didn't short it. But I didn't take it seriously. And of course, the iPhone was revolutionary. And I might have taken it more seriously if I actually had an iPhone. Well, I eventually got an iPhone in 2012. Prior to that, I had a BlackBerry. And I said, I'm never getting an iPhone. I'm always going to have a BlackBerry because I like the keyboard, because I can't type on the screen. And that's true to this day. 
I still can't type on the screen. You know, sometimes I get an email or a text from somebody on my phone and I'm like, I'm not replying to that. I'll, I'll reply to that when I sit down in front of my computer when I have a keyboard because I don't like typing on the screen. Nonetheless, I have an iPhone, got an iPhone in 2012 and it really changed everything. Okay. Now, Apple has toyed with the idea of getting into cars, manufacturing cars. And now, you know, the stock market with everybody going crazy over EVs with Lucid and Rivian and I, I don't know all these. I don't pay much attention to these things. But, you know, if Apple said we're, we're going to get into electric vehicles, it'd probably be a four trillion dollar market cap overnight you know, with how this stock market is. You know who else tried to get into cars? Dyson, the vacuum company. You know, they make uh, vacuums and hand dryers and all, you know, little inventions and stuff. Yeah, they said they were going to make a car and they did it for a couple of years and they're like, too hard, I give, I, I give up. The car business is very complex and it's very high barriers to entry. And Tesla did it. Of course, I mean, the difference with Tesla is that the engineering behind Tesla is pretty simple. There's not a lot of moving parts. Uh, but with a conventional, you know, internal combustion engine, it's it's a very complex machine. You have parts from a bunch of different manufacturers. It's it's a really tough business. So I don't know if Apple's going to be getting into cars. Tim Cook, you know, he's been CEO for like uh, nine years or something like that. He's been CEO for a really long time. Um. And it's going to be interesting, you know, because he'll retire in the next couple of years. He's probably going to retire soon. It's going to be interesting to see who takes over for Tim Cook because Tim Cook has done an amazing job. And Tim Cook, he's a billionaire, but not by much. You know, he's, he's probably got just over a billion dollars. He actually doesn't have that much Apple stock. He, he's really just a, a manager. Um, and if you look at Apple, the interesting thing about Apple is, is that with a lot of the other tech companies, there's one or two people or families that own a large percentage of the stock. This is true with Facebook. This is true with Google. It's not true with Apple. Apple's holders are pretty diverse, which makes it unique. Now, this is a little known fact. Steve Jobs, when he died, was worth about $20 billion. And a lot of people said he got rich on Apple. Actually, that's not the case. He only had about $4 billion worth of stock in Apple. He had about $16 billion in Pixar. He actually made most of his money in Pixar. Because you remember, Steve Jobs actually got fired as a CEO and they brought him back years later, so he didn't really have a lot of stock. Yeah, he made most of his money off Pixar. And you could make the argument, and it's, well, you can't really make the argument because Steve Jobs is dead, but I think it's kind of an interesting thought experiment. I, you know, I think Tim Cook ended up being a better CEO for Apple than Steve Jobs would have been. I think that's absolutely the case. But that's not what people say, were saying when Steve Jobs died. You know, people were shorting the stock. They said, that's it. That's the end of Apple. The, the innovation is gone. And, you know, to some extent, that was true. A lot of the innovation was gone. But, you know, Tim Cook has been a competent manager. There's going to come a point where shorting this stock is going to work. And I'm not going to try it, you know. But usually what you see in the stock market is that you'll have an industry or industries that dominate for a period of about 10 years. 
and then the yield in another industry dominates for about 10 years. You know, back in the 2000s, it was financials. It was the banks that dominated them to the 2010s. It was tech. So far in the 2020s, it's also tech, but I don't know. Maybe it's going to be something else, you know, Um, but that's usually what happens in the stock market. What is your best idea right now? What is your best idea? Is it, I mean, God forbid, is it Apple? You know, I, I have my best idea right now, and chances are you've never heard of it. The problem with working on Wall Street is that people try to be smart, okay? And it's hard to be smart if your best idea is Apple, especially me. I have a newsletter, right? So if I wrote in my newsletter, you know, my best idea is Apple, people would unsubscribe. They're like, out of all the stocks in the world, that is your best idea? Well, you know, maybe it is. So on Wall Street, people think they have to have an obscure idea to be smart, like a coal company or something like that. And, you know, and, and I see that. I, I see that on Twitter. You know, people are all gung-ho about Apple, and I'm like, that's your best idea? You know, I do this all the time. Anyway, if Apple goes from a $3 trillion market cap to a $4 trillion market cap, that's only a 33% gain. I mean, that could happen in a year. And the question is, do you have any other ideas that could go up more than 33% in a year? Yeah, I think it's I, I think that's reasonable. I think it's it's not hard to find something that might go up 33% in a year. But there are other factors that are pushing Apple higher. Okay. And the the main one is indexing, okay? Because I don't know how much money is indexed to the S&P 500. It's probably several trillion. And anytime somebody sends a check to their S&P 500 mutual fund, they immediately buy the biggest stock in the world, which is Apple. So the more money that flows into index funds, the more money that flows into Apple and not just index funds, but you know, a lot of active managers own Apple because they have to own Apple because it's like 6% of the market. And if they don't own it and it does what it did this year, then they underperform. So a lot of people just kind of have to own Apple whether they want to or not, you know. So and if you're if you're just going to buy Apple, you probably shouldn't buy Apple. You should buy an index fund. And the reason you should buy an index fund is so you can own some of the stocks that are going down in addition to the ones that are going up. Yes, I'm being a smart ass, but it's true because last year. I mean, it was it was a size trade. It was the mega cap stocks went up and the smaller cap stocks went down and it was the top five stocks that held up the old index. I mean, so why bother holding the rest of the index? The performance of the index has been dominated by the top five stocks. We live in very stupid times. Anyway, in other news, I just want to let you know that I spent the entire holiday break working on my new book. I'm not going to tell you the name of the book. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. The only thing I'm going to tell you is that it's a personal finance book, and it is going to change the way people think about their money. So I've written two books, and one sold a little bit, and another one sold a little bit more than that, but neither of them were bestsellers. I am not a best-selling author. I actually go on this uh, radio show sometimes, and they say, Jared Dillian, best-selling author. I'm like, you guys don't say that. It's not true. I'm not a best-selling author, but you know, that would be cool if this ended up on the New York Times bestseller list. And you know, the very cool thing about that is that once you're if you make the New York Times bestseller list for one week, 
then you're a New York Times bestseller for the rest of your life. You can use that in all your bios and marketing material and stuff like that. You can always say that you're a New York Times bestselling article. But I worked on this book a lot over the break. I was writing like 5,000 words a day and for like eight days in a row. And I don't know if you've ever done this, if you've ever wrote like that for a long period of time. I was getting delirious. I mean, it's it's fun, but it's really mentally exhausting and also physically exhausting. When I got to the end of the week, by the time it was Sunday, I was like, holy crap. You know, I am just wiped out. I can't do this anymore. So my agent currently has the proposal. We're putting the finishing touches on the proposal and we should be selling it soon. Uh, when I have a book deal, you will be the first to know about it. So believe it or not, you know, I got the book deal for Street Freak. I think this was in 2009 and I wasn't super excited about it. You know, my, you know, my agent was excited. You know, they were back slapping and high fiving and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this um, because, you know, I was <laughs> tasked with writing this book that was very personal and I was going to reveal all these personal details and I had to worry about, you know, not pissing people off and I just... You know, I, I really wasn't looking forward to it. But this one, this time, I'm going to be happy about it. And Street Freak, by the way, was a very long book. I mean, it's a fast read, but that was like 135,000 words. And All the Evil of This World is like 65,000 words, something like that. This is probably going to be like 85,000. So Hillary Clinton's memoir, which was called Hard Choices was 700 something pages long and i said at the time i'm like her editor clearly didn't make any hard choices so i have a theory on this um you know when you're writing a book good writers are always in a hurry to stop writing thanks for listening to the be smart podcast i'm jared dillian see you next time